Hi, listeners. Two announcements I forgot to put in the show. Starting on Saturday, July 1st, podcastawards.com is taking nominations. So if any of you feel that we're worthy in the food and drink category, please go over and nominate us at podcastawards.com. And secondly, on Sunday, July 2nd, I am going to be at the Heavyweight Brewing Company Open House in New Jersey. So if any of you are going to be there, keep an eye out for the guy wearing the Craft Beer Radio t-shirt. Craft Beer Radio, episode 45, June 28, 2006. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show for craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Greg Weiss. And I'm Jeff Baer. Yes, you are. This week, IPAs. We're back into summer in the very hot, sweaty CBR studios because Jeff hasn't had the air conditioner on. Hoppy times, my friend. Mm -hmm. Hoppy times. Hoppy times, indeed. Uh, First, we start with business. We are still pushing the Craft Beer Radio Anniversary DVD. Yeah, we're pushing. You haven't like got your fix. You haven't got yes. your fix yet. You know what you need to do, or if you don't, hey, first time listeners. <laughs> yeah, if you're a first time listener, then you definitely should donate because uh, you can get the whole year of Craft Beer Radio, everything we recorded, all our notes, all our extras, all our junkity junk, on one DVD ROM for a donation of twenty five dollars. Starting to get some people placing the orders, so pretty excited. I will get off my butt soon and put that show together. And Greg and I are going to record a special episode just for the show. Yep, just for DVD. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. And there's now a link on the website, so you can go directly there. Instead of navigating the PayPal windows, you can go directly to the link. Yeah, I'll put it right up on top of the page. It'll say, buy our DVD, ROM. Because it isn't a DVD video. It's a for your computer. We don't want to subject you to that. Uh, There are several ways you can give us feedback. You can post a comment on our website, craftbeerradio.com. You can vote for us on Podcast Alley and leave a comment there. You can sign up for our Frapper map. It's uh, F-R-A-P-P-R.com. Or you can just find that link to Frapper on the right-hand side of our webpage. Since you've been pushing that, we've been getting a lot of sign-ups on the Frapper thing. It's cool. Frapper's awesome. I think people who are seeing it are are checking out and think it's really cool. You got another email from a listener in Portland offered us her place to stay. Yeah. So we're going to have those lodgings all across the country soon (laughs) enough. Put yourself on the CBR map. You can also send us an email or an audio comment to our email address, which is beer at craftbeerradio.com. Well, speaking of contacting us, let's go on to some emails we got. Norm posted a comment on our website. It was regarding uh, me talking about the Bohemian Pilsners. Right. I said where the, the soft water allowed for them to brew lighter beer with lighter colored malts because of the acidity. And he got all technical on me, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah, reminded I mean, me things if I forgot my, <laughs> things that I forgot in my BJCP class, which is really good because we always do like uh, getting corrected. Yeah, and so let's go through the technical part here. All right, he said that he says that Jeff is incorrect in stating that the Bohemian water does not require acidification. In general, all very light color beers require mash acidification, and what they did in Pilsen was to use a long mash rest at a temperature of roughly 90 to 110 degrees, which is known as the acid rest. This was part of their traditional triple decoction mash, which also resulted in development of more melanoidin multi-character. The key difference of the bohemian soft water is just a lack of a mineral character. The lack of sulfates tend to leave the hop character softer, and therefore a slight sweet flavor 
tends to fit it better than the very crisp, accentuated hop flavor characteristic of German Pilsners. And that's why I nearly filled my BGCP <laughs> class, because I forgot all that information. <laughs> but so, just in case you want to know, thank you very much, Norm. John from D.C. writes, and he listened to our Wheat slash Hefeweizen show, and he said, guys, we made another big mistake. Uh-huh. We are absolutely supposed to swirl the yeast into a Bell's Oberon. As Larry Bell is quoted on the wall of the men's room in RFD in Washington, D.C., and I've heard him say the same thing at a tasting, if God intended us to drink filtered beer, he wouldn't have given us livers. Well, he certainly has a point. Filtered beer and swirling up the sediment are two different things, in my opinion. Okay. So if he wasn't specifically talking about swirling up the sediment in Oberon... I, I think that the quote might have been applied. Mis- well, I mean, we know that swirling our sediment will absolutely change the character of a beer. And right. there are plenty of unfiltered beers that you want to decant properly. Right. So, uh, yeah, I don't know whether that's true or not. Would have, would have been interesting to try Oberon with swirling. No, I'm going to email Larry and find out for sure. There you go. I don't want to say John's wrong, but I, it's a great quote. But to me, it doesn't scream that they're supposed to get all the sludge out of the bottom of an Oberon. Right. Dave from the UK writes, I've just listened to your shows on Pilsners and Saisons and enjoyed them. Thank you very much. He also writes in that he has heard an interesting theory about how Pilsners came into Bohemia, that the glassmakers there started making very clear glasses. And so in order to accentuate the clear glass, they want to have a really crisp, clear beer. At, at the same time, in other parts of Europe, people were still drinking out of wooden mugs and clay tankards and things like that. He also says he loved the science geeky bit a few shows ago about skunking. Thanks very much. His first job out of university was for Scottish and Newcastle in their labs, and it reminded me of the more interesting aspects there. Here's one listener who won't switch off just because you get geeky. Well, that's great. Thanks. I mean, one of the reasons why uh, we decided to do it like that was because when I looked up the answer and I got a very brief answer, I just felt that wasn't enough for me. I felt I had to know the whole story. Right. And so I figured if I feel that way, then our listeners probably would feel the same way too. I think we're going to start making an effort to have, put segments in there as we can research them. Just yeah. go over the top in detail. I mean, there's plenty of things in beer you can go over the top on. So. Definitely. And always the science and stuff always intrigues me. Hey, Greg, the winner of the Great American Beer Tour was announced. This was the competition during Great America, or American Beer Week. Where right, they had, where they had to go to all the different breweries. Uh, right. the ones. And where do you think the winner would be from? Well, I haven't seen it. So I'm going to say probably Portland. Uh, I guess it could be like California. It uh, could be – I don't think Boston would do it. You're thinking about places that have a lot of breweries and yeah. a big beer scene. Yeah. Would Cleveland, Ohio surprise you? A little bit. Winners from Cleveland, Ohio. Interesting. College instructor Tim Bruning has won the first Great American Beer Tour, besting more than 200 other participants nationwide to earn a trip to 25th Great American Beer Festival in Denver. Bruning assumed 60 points in the competition, edging out second place by just a single point. Huh. He visited eight different breweries near his Cleveland area home, stopping by each an average of four times. Wow. Initially, I didn't set out the win, said Bruning. But when I found myself with 18 points just after two days, I decided that it would be fun to see how many points I could get. During the week, he took a couple of vacation days from his job teaching, machining, and other mechanical skills to pursue the Great American Beer Tour. Well, that's, wow, I guess... And that's not too far away from us. Cleveland's a two-hour drive. Yeah, I, I read that. I was, it made me think exactly when we were talking about this before, and you said a winner would be from Portland or someplace yeah. out west with a big beer scene. And when I saw it was from Cleveland, I'm like, ooh, I'm going to quiz Greg on that one. <laughs> Denver is another place it could be. But I guess Cleveland is the answer. Yeah. 
May not be the coldest tasting, but it is the coldest, says this article. Did you see this article yet? I did not see this article. Okay, so. Coors R&D development in England have released Coors Sub-Zero. Oh. Comes out of the tap at minus 2.4 degrees <laughs> centigrade. And when you pour it, you get the beer, then you get a layer of ice crystal slush, and then you get the head. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Hey, the oh. best part of the story is the quote from the guy from Camera, which is uh, the campaign for real ale in England. Uh-huh. If you serve any yellow liquid at that temperature, you could probably drink it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that that's gross. <laughs> I mean, I've had like frozen slushy beer before, and it's it's never really any good. And just imagining, you know, hey, it's really super cold. Course, oh god, this is a result of eight years experimentation. Costing 10 million pounds. It's good to see that that money went to that instead of other, you know, <laughs> other charities. Yeah. Like iPods more popular than beer? Question mark, exclamation point. That's an Intera bang. <laughs> that, iPods, that iPods are in on college campuses might not surprise you, says this crazy article. That Apple's portable music players are more popular than beer? Now that's surprising. Well, I mean... Beer is always halfway illegal on college campuses anyway, whereas right. iPods aren't. So I, you know, I, I find this article a little bit silly. <laughs> I like the headline. <laughs> yeah, but basically, you know, we'll, we'll do a link to it in our pages. Nothing's really important about it. It's just some fluff. We talked uh, in in the previous episode about the Latrobe Brewery and how they are now being. They apparently have somebody interested in them, and England says it's not them. Sierra Nevada says that the governor's office made up the info. And they better take it back. So we thought it might have been Boston Beer, but it turns out it could be City Brewing Company. It, it is City Brewing Company. It is City they Brewing Company. They signed a letter for intent. City Brewing Company is purveyors of crappy malt beverages everywhere. <laughs> well, oh well. Wasted capacity. What you going to do? Okay, so that's it for news. What beer am I? What beer are you? Last week's beer was one submitted by Rick Sellers from Pacific Brew News, which was the fifth hint. Mm-hmm. It was Pliny the Elder from Russian River ah, Brewing Company. Yummy yum. One of those really, really high rank beers on both Beer Advocate and Rate Beer. Yeah. We so got, it's uh, probably, mm, I, might, I might not like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, double IPA, I think. Oh, and then I probably will like it. Okay. Well, I mean, it depends. And, yeah. As long you, as you it's not know. in stone fashion, right? Right, as long as it doesn't stick on your tongue. Like- so we've got five people who uh, guessed correctly. We've got Scott, Carl, Carlos, Daniel, and Paul. So thank you very much for writing in. And we have a new beer for this week. This week, I'm a porter made with vanilla beans from the jungles of Papua New Guinea and Madagascar. I am one of the newer beers made by my brewery. I have 16 IBUs, and I am 4.7% alcohol by volume. I have brothers named after... Summer, autumn, Christmas, and an avalanche. Although I am made in the mountains, I don't know how to ski. I don't know what this one is yet. I still have to look it up. Wow. So if you have a guess, you can send an email to beer at craftbeerradio.com. And this week's clue was submitted by Scott. On to the style for this week. The American IPA. Hops, 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 hoppity, hop, hop, hop. <laughs> Although not like a double IPA. No, but plenty of hops, American hops. So we've got a mm-hmm. lot of citrusy right. or a little bit of piney resinous if they use something like a Chinook hop. 
So let's see, the aroma here, which is going to be one of the main parts of this beer. A prominent to intense hop aroma with a citrusy, floral, perfume-like, resinous, piney, and or fruity character derived from American hops. <laughs> so that's just about every hop flavor except for the, um, I guess, the more herby ones. Right. But many versions are dry hopped and can have additional grassy aroma, although this is not required. Some clean, malty sweetness may be found in the background, but should be lower than in English examples. Fruitiness, either from esters or hops, may be detected in some versions, although neutral fermentation character is also acceptable. Some alcohol may be noted in the aroma. And it should be appear to appear to have color ranging from medium gold to medium reddish copper. It says here some variations can have an orangish tint. should be clear, although unfiltered dry hop versions may be a bit hazy. Good head stand should persist, and hop flavor... Flavor-wise, hop flavor should be medium to high and should reflect an American hop character with citrusy, floral, resinous, piney, or fruity aspects, a lot like the aroma. Medium high to very high hop bitterness, although the malt backbone will support the strong hop character and provide the best balance. No diacetyl. Low fruitiness is, is acceptable, but not required. And the bitterness may linger in the aftertaste, but should not be harsh. You listening to that, Stone? <laughs> medium dry to dry I should stop picking on stone medium dry to dry finish some clean alcohol favor can be noted in stronger versions oak is inappropriate in this style just like diacetyl and some sulfur may be present if sulfate water is used most examples do not exhibit this character do not leave these beers out in the sun oh absolutely they will skunk <laughs> quickly even in brown bottles Tonight we're also tasting one English IPA so we can kind of get a comparison. English aroma is different. Let's just read that one so we can kind of contrast. We're not going to go through the whole style. A moderate to moderately high hop aroma of floral, earthy, or fruity nature is typical, although the intensity hop character is usually lower than American versions. A slightly grassy dry hop aroma is acceptable, but not required. A moderate caramel-like or toasty malt presence is common. Low to moderate fruitiness, either from the esters or the hops, can be present. Some versions may have a sulfury note, although this character is not mandatory. Oh, we should hope not. So you can tell it's it's not as citrusy as most of the yeah. beers are going to be, and there's a lot more sweetness coming up through it in some esters. Okay, so in order to accentuate some of the aromas that we're getting, we're going to drink these in snifters. Although pint glasses are normally normally the typical style for right. these, but hey, if you got the snifters, use them. Plus, we wanted to smoke to, them if you got them. Right, we wanted to look really cool for our pictures that we were taking for the magazine imbibe magazine september october issue and we'll talk more about that later any luck with this one Uh oh <laughs> now let's uh let's start off by saying i went to three sons dogs and suds and talked with the owners uh-huh. their lamps are uv coated and have always been uv coated mm-hmm so why have we been getting such bad beers? He couldn't believe we got a skunky Pilsner Coil there because it sells so fast. Hmm. Getting kind of a sulfury smell on this one. It's not really skunk. It's called, It's more of a sulfury. <laughs> Do we even say what this is yet? No, this is the Red, the Red Hook IPA. IPA. <laughs> My God. Yeah, the first thing I detected here was, oh, here we go again. It's not a fresh hop flavor, aroma, that's for sure. No. I'm getting uh, more of a sulfur than a skunk, though. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not really... I mean, honestly, I'm not smelling any... It doesn't smell great, but I'm not smelling skunk. I am. But, uh... Flavor's good. Flavor is, um... 
get a lot of nice hop right up front. Has a bit of caramel to it. It supports it on the on your tongue. Mm. See, the flavor is a lot better than the aroma. Yeah, a lot better. Flavor almost tastes. The flavor is still crisp. It's not muddled or anything. It's still a nice crisp flavor. The aroma is just weird on the spear. It's weird. It's a very strange contrast because you know they always say that so much of. I mean, it's true that so much of your flavor is is affected by aroma as well. And the aroma on this is the aroma cleaning up for you at all? Mine smells a lot better now. A little bit, but I'm still getting a lot of that uh, theol aroma. Uh, this beer is brewed in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and Woodenville, Washington. Six point seven alcohol by volume. It's brewed year round. It's an American IPA. Some of the ingredients in this beer: we got two row clages. I think that's how you say it. Clages. Sounds like it's a pale malt, kind of like um, Pilsner malt or American two row. We got Munich and Crystal malts. Northern Brewer, Willamette, and Cascade hops are used in this beer. 186 calories. <laughs> well, you got a lot of info on this one. It's a it's a light um, a light orange color, uh, maybe tangerine, and it has a small, very tiny head. That's it's really it's really clear. Yeah. That's for sure. It's clearer than a lot of beers that you have. I'm getting actually condensation because it's so hot in this room. <laughs> getting condensation around the glass, but yes, it's very clear. You can see right through it. So when you first taste this beer, you get a lot of hops. It's a um, not quite as hoppy as I might have expected. Uh, I'm, I'm actually getting kind of a, a an interesting contrast between the malt and the hop. A little bit, a little bit of both, but it, it definitely fades into much more hoppiness, especially down top of my mouth and getting kind of a bitterness, uh, and just way down back. Uh, yeah, the um, hops that I'm tasting are not as citrusy as I would have expected. They're a little more Resinous, maybe, would you say? And then the hops. Resinous, maybe a little bit grassy. And then the hops are quickly followed up with a nice caramel malt backbone. I'd say malt flavor. Yeah, there, there's a good there's a good malt flavor that kind of doesn't really flare on the sides so much. It just kind of backs up around the middle of the tongue and is there with the bitterness. You can certainly taste the caramel. The Munich, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to pick out. The Munich would give you a little more. Um, let's see, would it be toasty? No. Um, not biscuity. Somewhere in that, it's a it's a roasted pale or malt, so it's going to give you a little bit of a. See, not roasty, Kinda not like, toasty. Uh, I'm with you here. Imagine a waffle without sugar. Yeah, certain like getting more bready. Yeah, like, maybe like a, English muffin. <laughs> 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 Yeah, because like all the words I was picking are like too far past it. Mm-hmm. Roasty's too far. Toasty is not right. Biscuity is not really biscuity is not really right either. I do like English muffin. I think it kind of fits in there. If you imagine cracking open an English muffin after you've toasted it in the oven a little bit, I think the aroma and, and flavor kind of fits that. So. Was this beer light struck or was it not? You it, said I, you, I think it was a bit light struck, but I think that some of these beers, when you let them air out. Now, here's a question for you. We talk about the airing out. Yeah. Last show we did, I think it was when we did the Saisons. We had the Saison DuPont, which was right. really skunked. Remember at the end of the post show, we poured a little bit more out. And remember how freshly skunked that smelled? Uh huh. 
Well, that was still in the it's bottle. In the bottle. I mean, this is airing out inside the glass, and there's more area for it to go. Okay. And that's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. I, <laughs> okay. I don't really, you know. Um, we, maybe we know, think, we know the it, threshold for detection of skunk is very low, and it, that means that if there's a couple molecules that are hidden around in there, if they eventually go away, then there's got, not going to be as yeah. much. It made me wonder: does it air out, or do we become accustomed to it? Though, which is the m- more proper case? It seems like it airs out because we go from tasting it to not tasting it at all. Right, right. But maybe we're just coming numb to the flavor. That I, I think that's certainly uh, a valid and, and possible argument. So what we'll have to do sometime is like one of us will have to drink a beer and the, and the other one won't taste it uh-huh. until the skunk has gone away to the first person uh-huh. and the second person will drink it. It's a scary proposition, but I guess we'll have to do it for science. See, I didn't taste any of that skunk. I tasted a lot of sulfur yeah. at first and it wasn't pleasant, but well, you, you I'm not, I'm not convinced. Not you mean, you mean aroma. aroma. Yeah. yeah, I'm not convinced that it was light struck yet. I mean, I just can't be sure. You just of, think it was, it's just that's the char- that, that's the expected character of the beer. That doesn't make sense. It, well, I, I don't think that's what they were going for. Um, I, I think it, it maybe there's been weirder things. I mean, we're talking about Red Hook. It's one of the bigger breweries. It sold out a lot of interest to Anheuser Busch a long time ago. A lot of the I'm hardcore, starting to actually get more hops on the aroma now. A lot too. of the hardcore beer fans will say Red Hook wasn't the same after Anheuser Busch got their fingers on them, right? So I mean, but I don't think that means they want their beer to smell stinky. No, no, <laughs> it's not exactly. It was intentional, but I mean, it could. Budweiser's have... trying to sabotage them from the inside. Let's throw some light at them. See what they think of that. <laughs> I mean, sulfur's not really. I mean, that's what I tasted was a lot of sulfur, yeah. and that's more from a brewing aspect than from than from light struck after it's done. I mean, brewing. it could be that we're we're just getting to be bad judges of things. I mean, we'll know once we have a can and we open it, and we say, "Oh, that's skunked." <laughs> we'll have to hang up our <laughs> microphones and call it a day. I mean, because typically you get a lot of sulfur flavors from. Mm-hmm. A no, not a v- enough vigor, enough vigorous, not enough boil, or if you boil with the lid on, you'll get you know DMS and, right. and that's dimethyl sulfide. So there's sulfur compounds in there, and you'll get other sulfur sulfur compounds hanging around as well. And we know that we know that wavelengths below ultraviolet, remember our, our little science things, will cause the reaction with non-radiative energy transfer with riboflavin. Well, <laughs> I didn't look into this, but maybe there's some other. Thing that can cause that to happen that's not necessarily associated with light. Maybe that non-radiative energy transfer can also occur through some other means. But everything I read said there's only one way, and that's light. Okay. To me, it, it's not that sulfur is really not coming through on the flavor much at all, though. Or it's yeah, yeah, and, and that's really interesting, is because it, it doesn't taste skunked. It smelled skunked at first, and Jeff said it didn't even really smell skunk to him; it just smelled sulfury. But it, uh, it it doesn't taste it at all, so who knows? Are you after, like you it, we t- should call this skunk beer radio? For now. You haven't taken a sip in a while. Hold on, still don't take a sip. Do you feel like a just a weight in your mouth, like kind of like a maybe a little bit of a metally coating or something like that? It's a little bit of bitterness hanging around there. Yeah, yeah. right, right in the back of the tongue. I get like pretty much sides of my mouth, tongue. It's just for me just in the back of, of my tongue, but there's something okay. there. Like looking a really dead battery. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't looked a battery in a long time. 
And I'm glad I haven't. <laughs> it's an interesting experience, that's for sure. You're like, yeah, that was bad. I'm like, well, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> I'm going to end it right there because I can get into real trouble with the things that we're thinking of right then. Mm-hmm. So we'll go on to our next beer. That was the Red Hook IPA from from We need to do a um, Red Hook rain beer. dance type thing to get the skunk monster like curse <laughs> off of us. <laughs> You know, one of the other beer podcasts must have voodoo dolls and got them sprayed with skunk or something maybe, like that. Maybe, but you know, we, it doesn't really happen with darker beer. We need to do a couple dark beer shows. <laughs> uh, our our next beer is the Pyramid Thunderhead IPA from Pyramid Brewing in Seattle, Washington. These first two beers are big breweries. You should be able to get these just about anywhere you are if you're in the. Uh, well, that doesn't smell skunk, States. so okay. Yay, finally. <laughs> finally. 6.7% alcohol. It's pretty high alcohol. Uh, year, brewed year round. Using two row, mar- two be- using two row barley, oh. Munich caramel, and carapace malts with tomahawk and Columbus hops. What's, what's up, Jeff? The first aroma I got was a mix of apricot. And sewer drain. <laughs> we did that flavor active tasting kit in the BJCB class, uh-huh. and one of the off flavors, which was, oh, which one was that? But it, it was it was sewer drain, and I kind of smelled that. I see where you're coming from with that. It, it, it's it's way in the background there. It's a very apricotty beer, though, don't you think? The aroma. And they do make. You know what that reminds you of? We, we got a beer sent to us way in one of our first shows, and, and I said it, the, the first the first thing I smelled reminded me of a bathroom. Okay, remember that? It was way back, like oh. episode three or four. And that was uh, when a brewery sent us some yeah. beer, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Was it yards? Or? Yeah, it, it was very good. It was very good beer. It turned out, but uh, the, the first aroma I got was like, well, this is like if you go into a, a, a really bad bathroom in a bar. See, I just smelled it again. I was smelling fruit fruit. I'm like, oh, it's gone. And I took another whiff, and I smelled more drain. So what is that? <sighs> it's probably another sulfur compound or something, right? Yeah. I mean, that seems to be the ones that... Uh, the I'm, just, I'm hypersensitive to the sulfur today, apparently. You know, there's almost... Um, what is that? There's almost a... Uh, now, now I smelled it. I, I, I know what you're talking about. There's, there's almost kind of a, a clothy aroma coming from it that, that mixes with the fruitiness, and it doesn't doesn't match well. And you, yeah, you're getting something kind of stinky, drain. back alley of New York kind of smell. Yeah, and the flavor. I love New York, by the way. The, the flavor. There's something off in the flavor too for me. It's a. It's either a really bitter hop. Or it's something that's messing with the bitterness and just making it like turn south. Well, what is this tomahawk hop? Tomahawk is the main hop that is in the nugget nectar. Hmm. Trying to get a taste for the flavor here. It's it's, it's citrusy. No, uh, the Columbus. The Columbus is a very high elf acid hop. Very high, if I remember right. And that could explain some of that flavor where they it's really bitter. There's, there's a very there's a lot of bitterness in here. And I'm getting now that after like three sips now I'm getting a little more used to it. And that bitterness isn't fighting my tongue as much. It's mm-hmm. kind of like my it's oh well, it's beating my tongue into submission. I guess you can say it's my tongue's not fighting back. It's a higher. Um, it feels a little prickly. It's got, it's got a higher uh, carbonation level to it. I think 
Uh, it's also a little bit more copper in color. Uh, and yeah, there, there's, there's a lot more bitterness here and almost a citrusy flavor to the hops. And then, then the, as the bitterness, you know, kind of goes away, yeah, you're left with sort of a drying sensation on the tongue. Oh, great. I got to tell you, on the Good Beer Show, it tasted the Kentucky breakfast or just the breakfast out. And one of them had something fall into their beer, too. Remember I was pouring it? <laughs> uh-huh. They're pouring it like, oh, my God, what's that, a dead fetus? <laughs> <laughs> so it was quite funny. Jeff got a good laugh out of it because he heard me on my show and yeah. how I reacted. And now who I forget it was one of his co-hosts who poured it and reacted to it. Uh-huh. So he had a good laugh. And, and I chuckled out loud while it worked listening to that. Had a good time at the Harrisburg Brewers Fest, which we mentioned a little bit in the pre-show. A couple of you listeners there said hi, so it was great meeting you in person. I was supposed to take my craft beer radio business cards and hand out hundreds of them, but I left them at home, so I had about six to hand out. Not quite what I intended on doing. <laughs> hmm. Some of the best beers I had there are post-show beer. I picked it up because it was one of the most memorable beers at the fest, and okay. I can't wait for you to try it. Okay. It's the Weyerbacher Double Simcoe IPA. Really? Huh. It's, they use the Simcoe completely different than the other beers we've had that use Simcoe. And at a beer fest, you can't really judge the subtleties of beers. You know, you really can't judge the best of a style type thing. But what you're looking for are beers that are like, well, wow beers. Beers that stand out in a crowd. Yeah. And there were several there. And that was one of the best. And I, since I saw a bottle of it, I picked it up for you to try. Weyerbacher really going up in our minds. Weyerbacher, I think they got a new brewer and they're changing some stuff. And I think we need to revisit some of the older ones that we didn't mm-hmm. care for. Because we've had a lot of their new stuff. Yeah. And it's all been good. Absolutely. And I think, uh, do, have we ever done the actual, some of their older stuff on our show? I think, I think we haven't done it on our show. We just, no. we just had, we've had experience yeah. of them personally. I was talking with one of the guys there who worked at the brewery. He was an assistant brewer or something. And I told him, you know, the old heathen is one of the worst imperial styles I've had. He's like, have you tried it lately? Because they've been tweaking the recipe. So. Hmm. This is getting better to me. This is the Pyramid Thunderhead. Yeah, I'm guessing it's the hopping. The Columbus. Columbus is a pretty intense hop. I've never had a straight Columbus hop beer. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can make a straight Columbus hop beer. And Tomahawk, they're not very ones we're very familiar with. And if they're as aggressive like I think they are, then it could explain the good. You know, yeah, someone yeah. could say, you know, like Lacan IPA smells like cat pee. But. Good cat pee, right? Right, right. So I suppose this could smell like good sewer drain if you're in the right mindset. <laughs> See, I've taken a couple aroma sniffs now, and I'm getting um, it's the upswing. It's it's the the kind of sweet fruity aroma. Yeah, the um, cloviness to and, it. And just about when I was about to say that last time, I took a third sniff, and it was drain again. So. I think Greg mentioned what the spirit looks like. It's a little bit darker amber or darker orange than the last one and significantly yeah, it's like cloudier. a copper color. Significantly cloudier. Nice head still hanging around on these things. Yes, yeah, good thing about IPAs, the head does remain. The hop I oil was, helps I mean, the heads remain. <laughs> I was um tr- I was getting Chris ready for for the show when he was going to do it mm-hmm. and I noticed he started doing the whole thing where he's Oh. Taking his finger food in the head. I said, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that. He's like, why? 
some of the listeners might not know what you're talking about. Yeah. There's a thing where you could stick your finger on your nose, get oils on your nose, and dip it in your beer to get the head to go away. Right. The oil will actually uh, suppress the head retention. Someone was just asking me today about his friends who put pepper in their Guinness. <laughs> He's like, why do, you, why do they do that? I'm well, like, maybe we should explain why the head's important. The head has a couple aesthetic and aromatic qualities to it. Of course, you know, the aesthetics are obvious. You know, beer with a nice fluffy head really helps yeah. with the aesthetics. and looks like a great beer. But but, but it's, the, it's the aroma that's really the big thing. Yeah, the foam, we've got a big foamy thing. It's capturing aroma. And we're drinking out of these snifters to help capture the aroma even more. So we're really getting a lot of the best hoppy aromas out of these things. Uh, you've heard us say on the show sometimes when we pour these beers with huge heads, it seems like it, it helps catch the aroma. But if you have too much, it captures the aroma. <laughs> and you can't smell anything except for, you know, like a little bit of CO2 or something because there's so much CO2 coming out of the head that you can't pick up the hop aromas very much. I'm trying to remember my good eats, but a foam is a protein lattice. Yes. Uh, and the hop oils help the proteins form those bubbles better. So that's why hoppier beers tend to be uh, have better head. The best beers that I've had, home brews that I've had head retention on have been my IPAs. <laughs> I mean, they'll pour with a thick, creamy, shaving cream thick head because of the hops. And it's just really easy to have good head retention <laughs> yeah. with a hoppy beer. Well, that definitely got more enjoyable as time went on as we got used to it. I think. Yeah, it, it it turned the corner. Yeah. It certainly did. I feel sorry for saying it smelled like a sword <laughs> drain, but that first aroma really it did. I mean, it absolutely did. And, and you know, but but because we actually enjoyed it, hey, give it a shot. Maybe you'll smell what we are smelling, and then taste how Just it really turns around. Power through. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have to power through a beer, but yeah, you know, just trust like, us. Uh, that was the Pyramid Thunderhead IPA. Our next beer is the Summit IPA from Summit Brewing. Revisited. St. Paul, this, Minnesota. Did this one a while ago, sometime in the winter. And we had to pour it out because it was skunked, believe it or not. <laughs> and then we had the Heffy Vites in a couple weeks ago. And it was really skunked, too. And so we're crossing fingers here. And we'll be able to pick up many skunks in these. In these, no, another thing is we are using snifters, and so aromas are going to be a lot more apparent because they do have a good tendency to collect a lot of aromas. I don't think it's too bad. I didn't take a mega whiff. No, it, it doesn't smell skunked at all. This is this uh, is the brownest. Yeah, of the IPAs. This I mean, is, this, this looks like a, a brown ale almost. It's, it's close so to good. a brown ale. Maybe not quite as brown, but maybe. I mean, it's. I wouldn't say ruby. It, it, it's a dark orange. Oh, yeah, nice clean aroma. You're getting not too much hops in it, but you're getting some malt and... Uh, a little bit of caramel aroma, too, I think. And it just, just does use caramel, a malt, two row, and special B. I'm happy to get a, a summit that's not skunked. Yay. I mean, everyone says, oh, this is a decent beer. Yeah. And- uh, dry, it's uh, used Northern Brewer and East Kent Golding hops. Dry hop with whole EKG, 6-7 IBUs. East Kent Golding. I just didn't feel like typing it again. Oh, dry hop with whole... He's Kent Golding, as a matter of fact. So, you know, for for a dry hop beer, it has kind of a, a high clarity to it. Now, the aroma is not that outstanding on this beer, but take a sip. It has a lot of flavor there. It's a good, good mix of hops and sweet maltiness. It's caramel. almost English in that sense because the, the malt is really present there. Um, I mean, the hops are there, but I'm getting – I mean, maybe it's comparison to these other two mm-hmm. where the hops were basically, you know, the, the big – the, the big flavor there and well, the malt's coming through. Yeah, they're both certainly West Coast IPAs. Yeah. This one is – you would almost think of it maybe as an American extra special bitter. 
you know, an overhop DSB, something like that? Because there's a significant malt back. Get malt, 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 bitterness. Hop, hop, hop. Uh, that, that's the way it comes through. You get a, a, a maltiness right down the top of your roof, r- the roof of your mouth, the center of your tongue as you drink it, and then flaring on the outside as the malt goes away is this bitter hoppiness. Uh, and you know, it's a very interesting uh, pattern for the beer to take, and I like it. Had a um, an interesting beer at Mad Max this weekend. What'd you have? Gordon from Oscar Blues. <laughs> Everyone's naming their things after names. <laughs> Gordon is their double IPA, which you can get in a can. Double IPA in nice. a can. Nice. I had it on tap, but it is um, it's one of those double IPAs which is kind of almost straddling the fence to barley wine. So a lot of malt there. It yeah. was a really interesting beer. Really good. good? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Hmm. We got to get some of that because we know that won't be skunk. Well, our luck is. <laughs> that, that radiator of heat transfer stuff. <laughs> that doesn't even happen through aluminum. Like that <laughs> takes light still. Yeah, I'm glad the summer t- isn't skunk. Yeah. I'm just happy. And I'm actually happy it's a good beer too. And different. I mean, really interesting kind of the way that flare happens. It feels like a tea. You know, it, the the tea, the the long part of the tea comes at the front of your mouth and back into the, the the back of your mouth, and then it flares on the sides of this hoppiness. Yeah, the back back of your tongue definitely lingers a bitterness when you drink this one. It's it's an interesting style. It's not what you'd normally think of when you think of IPA. That's for sure. And it does use European and English hops for the hopping. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. no American hop in this one. I mean, the Northern Brewer might be made in America, but they're traditionally an English ho- or European hop. And that's interesting. I wonder if, you know, we, we talk about how much goes into the, the brewing recipe and stuff like that. But is it is it the case that just some hops tend to be less apparent or, or be, be more able to be overpowered by malts flavor-wise? Oh, and so like cer- an English certainly. hop – in general, is going to be less apparent than an American hop. Oh, yeah. East Kent Goldings and the other Fugles and the other English aroma hops are low in alpha acids, uh, 3 4%, where Cascade and Centennial, they start at 6 and Columbus and those are up to 14 18 right. You know, you got hops all the way up there. So it's not just recipe in, in terms of how you, you, you manage the things. I mean, it's just if you use certain types of hops, they're going to be less apparent than other hops. Right. It makes me, th- you know, what you're talking about makes me think of when I first heard there's only four ingredients in beer. I'm like, how can only four ingredients make so many mm-hmm. different kinds? How can I make a Budweiser and a Guinness? You know, those are the beers I knew at the time, right? Well, there's, because there's tremendous variety in right. malts, roastedness, different kinds of malts, different flavors. And then the hops are even more variety with, because you can use them in different ways, different parts of the boil for bitterness or for aroma or for flavor. And each one has different aspects for bittering and for aroma and for flavor. There are only four chemical components of DNA. Good point. <laughs> Very good point. I'm really glad this isn't skunked. 
You know, I've been working out some carbonation on this beer. Uh-huh. I like it in the lower carbonation level than it was when we first opened it. By working out carbonation, Jeff means swirling it around a bit in the glass. It's it's creamier now. And so work some out and give, let me know what you think. It definitely tastes more English now with less carbonation. All right, I'll do the same thing. Just swirl it around the glass a bit, which releases – it makes a larger head and releases some extra carbonation in there. Yeah, that's a lot better in my opinion. Tastes more creamy, a little sweeter. Maltiness comes through a little bit more. I actually, I tend to like more carbonation. Yeah, we seem to be establishing that pattern yeah. where I've been working on the carbonation and you haven't. And I think, you know, not that I don't like an, uh, a beer that, that is low in carbonation. Like I love a cask ale or something like mm-hmm. that. But there's something about the carbonation aspect of a beer that really appeals to me. Well, no, like the other two beers, carbonation went well with it. With this style... I don't know. To me, the carbonation was conflicting a little bit more with it. It just seemed a little too fizzy for me, so I like it a little bit lower or smoother. I just think it, it takes something away. Like for this beer, I think it feels a little kind of watery without that carbonation there. It feels thin to me, whereas with the carbonation, it didn't feel thin. So I wouldn't recommend that because I don't like a thin-feeling beer. I'm not tasting. Maybe, I mean, it's well, you're perhaps... Wrong. You're wrong. I'm always wrong. <laughs> Perhaps you worked out more car CO2 than I wanted you to or something. Or, you know, our just thresholds are different. So. Yeah. Jeff's wrong, though. I suck. That was the Summit IPA. There's a, there's more pink foam on the walls. Does there sound, is more foam. Does it sound in, oh, we left the door open. We left the door open. <laughs> so we'll see if that actually makes an impact. I, it seems quieter. I'm hoping it does. Okay, last beer. We're going English style now with an American beer. Even though the summit was kind of English style. Well, it's a nice transition then. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the Yards IPA from Philadelphia. Uh, 7% alcohol by volume, available year-round. No, it's marked as an English style. But on their webpage, they say, An unorthodox amount of English and Pacific Coast hops imparts a formidable and lingering flowery conclusion. So it's kind of contradictory with what yeah, an English style yeah. is. Uh, not to be, Yards, uh, their pale ale is one of our favorites because the the apricot flavors that come from it, really interesting stuff. And, uh, and it's the Philadelphia it's, pale ale. I'm not sure if they have a different one or not. This is uh, lighter in color, uh, sort of a, um, a penny copper. And yeah, this is the most copper-colored one of the beers, I would say. Something was a little more brown. Kind of a, a thunderhead a, was a little more orange. Kind of a mowed grass aroma. I'll tell you right now, I got something going on where I'm just hypersensitive to sulfur aromas. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, the first thing I said was, "Uh oh, this isn't skunk, but there's something there." But then I was like, "Okay, now I, I see where they're going with that aroma. It's not." It's not a bad aroma. It's just an aroma that's a little bit different from – I think with this IPA show, we were kind of expecting a real fruity, hoppy aroma. And what we're getting is kind of more of a earthy aroma, some earthy aromas to go with this grassiness and stuff like that. To me, I mean, it isn't that bad. It really isn't that bad. I'm just really sensitive today. It must be, you know – Are you smelling skunk? No, no, sulfur. Lots and lots of sulfur in this one. More pure sulfur than the other ones. No, I mean, to me, it's just it's just grassy. It's just a little bit like, uh, I mean, maybe not quite like mowed grass. I mean, you just mowed the lawn, right? So No, actually, I didn't. I, uh, oh. 
I didn't get around to it. I had other things to do. Okay, I'm getting a little bit of uh, some kind of fruity thing coming through, but again, my initial aroma on this thing is very, very, very unpleasant. It almost, <laughs> you know what it almost smells like? It almost smells like, this is going to sound weird. You remember those Elio's pizza squares you could get? At, or, or, or any sort of the Gino's or whatever. Well, you know, pizza you can get at a supermarket. You know, it's in a square. You put in your toaster oven and you make okay. a little pizza. Or, or, or pizza you get Friday uh, at an elementary school. Every Friday you have pizza day, right? And I almost smell a little bit like for a while, but now it's getting, now it's becoming more. Mm, let's see here. My room is changing, but now I'm smelling more of a plastic. Oh, man, it's not. We haven't tasted it yet, we should point out. <laughs> what is that? It's it's pretty bitter. Yeah, it certainly is. Um I'm getting very aromatic hops. Not just roam out of the glass. That I don't like. But breathing it over your tongue, I'm getting a different aroma on it for somehow. somehow. And uh, it, it's weird. I'm getting a... It's a very... It's a, it, another, it's another very bitter uh, uh, presence there. I still taste a little bit of plastic or something in it. It's weird. This is a hard one to describe because I'm trying to come up with... Analogous flavors, and I can't. They're, they're, it's well, okay. You know what? Now I can't because the bitterness is a lot like grapefruit, but the flavor is not like grapefruit. What if they use warrior hops in this one? Warrior, because think of the bitterness of grapefruit with the flavor of kind of like uh, current. Mixed with dark cherry, but not quite as acidic. The reason I mentioned Warrior is because this beer has a similar under hop flavor, undertone of like the LaConnor IPA. Like, you know, bitterness is bitterness, but on occasion, bitterness can taste different from other kinds of bitterness. Mm -hmm. And this one seems to remind me of that. So I'm wondering if it's Warrior hops. Again, it's. I'm surprised that both the, the Thunderhead and this one have uh, less accessible hop flavors to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think we've been surprised by this whole show because none of them have really hit us like I guess we expected. I mean, we expect an IPA show. We're like, oh, hop, hop, citrusy, hop, great, awesome, and you know, like. I think we're thinking Dogfish Head. We're thinking uh, Brooklyn. Well, we did. We did Red Hook and Pyramid and some big breweries, and just weren't really what we expected. Yeah. So this is an interesting show for us because yeah, it's it's not not at all what we expected. But it's not to say that these are bad beers. This hop flavor, though, it's it's another one that I think I'm going to start understanding here in a few minutes. But it's not your standard flavor that just like. 
you know, when I would say an accessible hop flavor, you drink it and like, okay, I know what that flavor is. I understand, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's the, it's the cascade. It's the centennial. It's, you know, grapefruit. It's, it's a, a little bit of a floral citrusy or something. But this one is harder to understand, wouldn't you say? I would say so. Sorry, I'm just arranging these in my order. I'm surprised I'm so. You know what? People are going to say we're just we're not hopheads. And, and we, we, I don't think we are anymore. I, I, I think I've been having some hoppy beers, and I've really been enjoying them. Not, not, and, not to say that I don't like hoppy beers, because yeah, I mean, right. especially as it's gotten hotter. But I mean, listen, overall, listen how negative we've been throughout the show. I mean, the summit was the thing we had the best to say about, and uh, people are probably yelling at the radios right now. You know, like because Rick, he he's still a hophead through and through. Oh, I just made Greg change his ranking. He, he made a good point. <laughs> um, Rick, you know, does Pacific Brew News, but you can tell from the stuff he does, you can tell he's still, he's still, you know, loving the hops. Every, the hoppier the better. It's not a problem. It's just both you and I got away from the hoppier the better. Actually, it took you a long time to like hops at all, so. Well, yeah, it took me more time than usual, I think, but, uh, and I still like hops, but there's something about a good malty beer that I think is, Way more impressive to me. Sure, I, I, I think that you know, I don't want to bash breweries, but I think that some breweries are guilty of throwing hops at something and saying this is going to make a well, beer better. Hops kind of is a a, a fix it type thing. I mean, yeah. you can throw hops in a, a beer that's messed up and get enough flavor and aroma there, and it'll mask it. So, mm-hmm. I mean. You can certainly sell a mediocre beer by throwing a little bit more hops at it. I mean, I talked in the pre-show about how much I enjoyed trying the Yeti again, and you know that's a beer. It's not there's a, there's a small amount of hop flavor, but it's it's just a, such a exquisite combination of malts to give it such a a, a unique and and really you know a, just a great overall flavor to it. And I'm not sure if I like this aroma or hate this aroma in this yards. I, I'm, I am like split. There's, it's one of those beers where, okay, it's complex. It's, it's elusive for me. Yeah. I'm like, I gotta figure it out. But then when I smell it, I'm like, oh, I don't like that. But then I, I gotta figure it out. It has, it can't suck that bad. I have to learn, yeah. I have to figure out what's good with it. I, I, I like it, but it's not, you know, great to me. But here's my ranking just to go for okay. it. And, you know, these are all iffy because none of these beers jumped out as number one. Well, maybe this, maybe the summit did when I actually thought about it. But none of these beers jumped out as as you know great or awful. But okay, I'm going to go with summit as number one just because I think that that was the one that we kind of enjoyed from from start to finish. Had the least things we didn't like. Yeah. That's for sure. Even though it wasn't the clear cut best American IPA. Yeah. Uh, then Thunderhead, which we hated at first, and then started to like <laughs> sewer drain. To yeah, sewer it really drain cleaned up once we figured it out. I'm going with this yard, which I think is last on Jeff's list, just because I, I, mean, I think it's I think it's enjoyable enough. And then I'll go with the Red Hook, uh, um, and I'm not really sure why, but I'm just going to put it last. You're you're right. I'll t- I'll pick the summit first, mainly because it was solid. We didn't find anything really wrong with it, and. Um, well, it wasn't quite as hoppy as we would have liked for the for the style of beer. It was a good solid beer. I'll put the Thunderhead second because of the second half of the beer. After we figured it out, after it started stop tasting like sewer drain, 
<laughs> that's funny a beer that smells like sewer drain i'm ranking second yes i am because <laughs> how we got used to it and how Extreme. the beer that's how the beer changed <laughs> at the end second half of the beer if i was yeah. only ranking the first half it would have been towards the end i'm gonna put the red hook third i didn't smell skunk i was smelling sulfur it aired out it was very crisp flavor to it and and it tasted fine from yeah, A to Z. Yeah, that's what I remember. Yeah, the Red Hook. I did, I didn't. The rum was like nothing. There there was nothing there that was appealing to me about yeah. the rum. But the flavor tasted crisp and fresh, and it was good from A to Z. And I'm gonna have to put the yards last because I just simply haven't figured out this aroma yet. It tastes. It smells sulfury and plasticky. And every once in a while, I get a hint of hops that like I start to figure it out. I start to like I get a clue to the puzzle, but then it just. Greg shakes up the etch sketch and I lose it. So, I tell you, grapefruit is a big component. The bitter grapefruit is a, it's a big component of the bitterness at the end here. Yeah, it's a lot different than like a Chinook type grapefruit, yeah. though. It's a lot. It's almost pithy. Yeah, it's, I was just going to say it's more of a peel than like the fruity part of the grapefruit. Got an email from a listener today or yesterday. I didn't read this in the email section, but he said we've been using. A lot of the same food recommendations. Yeah, I saw that frequently. too, and you you agree with him, but I can't disagree because I mean, last couple of shows I can remember we brought up Indian food, we brought up some. Uh, I, I know, but I remember uh, our last show we talked about. You know, it seems like we bring up fish, salad, and chicken a lot. Well, well, they're chicken, pretty. Yeah, they're, chicken makes sense because chicken goes with pretty much anything. It's su- it's such a light flavor. Yeah. You know, and, and salad again. Anything that's light is going to go well with a salad. I agreed with him because I do agree that yes, I need to get a copy of Garrett Oliver's Brewmaster's Table. Yeah, I, I mean, chicken, fish, and 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 salads generally go with lighter. And we've been drinking a lot yeah. of lighter beers. So you know, you know, wheat beer, for instance, is going to go better with those because you don't want any flavor in the food to overpower the beer. Yeah, you want I don't think you don't you want know, power. When we do the uh, stouts or porters, we're not going to say chicken, fish, and salad. Right. Yeah. So. I mean, what would you say would go well with these? They're very different beers. I would pick different things for each one. I mean, I would think like for this one, I would say the Mexican. Uh, I would say something along the lines of nachos or uh, a taco. Okay. Uh, you know, something. I think the summit would be the most interesting one to pair up with food. Yeah, the summit was was more malty. And so. I'm thinking. I still would go with something stronger flavor, maybe like chili, or uh, chili? chowder, or something like that. You know what I was thinking of is like a French dip. Okay, yeah. See, with a so lot of roast beef and au juice, and and I just think those flavors, the au juice that that melanoidin meat uh-huh. juice that you get there would go good with that beer. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, something uh, something creamy. Uh definitely. Hmm, speaking of creamy. No, no. <laughs> that was a great great pause, wasn't it? <laughs> no. I was thinking wouldn't wouldn't I go, mean go to the post show for more for more <laughs> thinking of creamy stuff. No, I was just thinking and it's a recipe I really want to try right now. I want to take New England clam chowder and I want to put a hoppy beer in it. I'm gonna cook it with some hoppy beer. I, if I think it'd be better to have the hoppy beer with the clam chowder, and then you can moderate. If you cook it with the hoppy beer, you can't take the hops out. Well, I don't know. I just wanted to try it. It just sounded, you know, I'm like thinking like the Thunderhead with some clam chowder, maybe side by side or something. 
but maybe a, well, when you cook the beer, you're going to lose a lot of the intensity of the beer flavor. Uh-huh. So a Thunderhead clam chowder with a Thunderhead. Now maybe. we should say New England clam chowder, milk-based. Yeah, know, not, not a Manhattan or yeah. anything. Even though I think I probably like Manhattan a little bit more. I've only had it once, and uh, I need to try it some more. I could have had it for lunch today, and I passed it up. I had a chicken and leek soup. Okay, we shouldn't be talking about lunch in the pre- in the normal show. So that's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us an email at beer at craftbeerradio.com. You can um, frapper map. Frapper map. And we will be back next week with the Bell's Wheat Experiment. Awesome. See you there. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Call the cops, I think he's coming home early. Does he know that we're on to-